Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to tell you about Mary Mallon, better known to history as Typhoid Mary, a woman who is generally considered to have infected a great number of people with typhoid fever. Mallon was an asymptomatic carrier of the disease, which is bad enough, but to make things worse, she worked, wait for it, as a cook, and yet worse, seemed to point blank refuse at any stage to acknowledge that she was infectious. Mallon was born in Ireland in 1869, and she emigrated to the US when she was 15. It's thought that she was actually born with typhoid fever, uh, as her mother contracted the disease while she was pregnant with her. Anyway, she didn't show any symptoms, as I said, and uh, didn't even know she carried the disease. After she arrived in the US, she worked as a maid and then as a cook. Uh, And from 1900 onwards, uh, while she worked as a cook for various wealthy families in and around New York... People that she worked for and with started contracting typhoid fever. Within two weeks of starting work as a cook, some of the people that she was working with fell ill with the disease. And you sort of think, oh, well, okay, certainly unfortunate. But no one's pointing fingers at Mallon just yet, of course. Just a coincidence, isn't it? I mean, there's nothing to see here. But in the wake of this, she moved on to a different family in 1901. And sure enough, people started getting sick there as well. And then again, when she moved on to a third family, seven of the eight people that she worked for and with got typhoid. And so at this stage, we're thinking, well, that's three from three here. So, I mean... Even Malum at this point probably starts to realise that something's going on. She left this third posting after everyone started go- getting sick. And it's it's a safe bet that she probably knew that all of this wasn't just one great big coincidence. But she didn't ever admit it, as we'll come to in due course. Malum didn't ever really seem ready to accept any responsibility whatsoever for what she was doing to people. Anyway, she moved on to uh, family number four. It's 1904 by now. And wouldn't you know it, before long, four of the seven other servants that this family employed fell ill. And Mallon left as soon as this sickness began, doing the old smoke bomb exit, no forwarding address, no contact details, nothing. So that in and of itself suggests that she probably knew that she was at the root of this whole thing again, even if she's not going to admit it. Uh, But again, she was able to get work as a cook, and her fifth job was the same as all the others. Within two weeks of starting, one of the other servants contracted typhoid and was taken to hospital, and doctors at the hospital were amazed. Typhoid wasn't particularly common at this time in New York. It was the first case that they'd seen in a very long time. 
But Mary, she's not changing her bloody modus operandi, is she? No, she steals away like a thief in the night, except rather than, you know, stealing stuff and taking it with her, she is instead leaving stuff behind, that stuff being, you know, typhoid fever, so generous of her. Anyway, her next job was with a family who rented a holiday house on Long Island for the summer. And sure enough, half the people that she worked both with and for got typhoid. I mean, how can this keep happening? How can one woman be so unlucky that typhoid fever is following her around like this? I mean, look, we're we're making light of this. It is obvious to us now, of course, someone who is an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid is bloody cooking everyone their food. Of course, people are going to get typhoid fever as a result. But back then... The idea of someone having typhoid and not showing symptoms was completely unheard of. You'd be mad to suggest it. Didn't even cross anyone's mind. Instead, people assume it's things like contaminated water, which was overwhelmingly the most common source of typhoid. In any case, Malin did her usual disappearing act when people started getting sick at this holiday house. Uh, She goes and gets another job in late 1906. But this gig that she had over the summer in the holiday house, this was the beginning of the end for her. Because the landlord of this holiday house realised, bloody hell, if it gets out that this place has typhoid, no one's going to come and stay, right? So I better get this fixed, quick, smart. So he calls in an investigator, George Soper. Now, Soper tests the pipes and taps and dunnies and all the other water sources in the house, but it all comes back clean as a whistle. There's no typhoid in the holiday house whatsoever. Most mysterious, but Soper isn't a quitter. He starts to do some digging. He starts to make inquiries about other typhoid infections that have been cropping up around New York recently. And before long, of course, he starts to connect the dots. An Irish cook had been working with or for the people who had been falling ill and then would disappear shortly after anyone got unwell. So, Soper is on the trail. But he had a hard time tracking her down because, again, Malin had not left any contact details before smoke bombing at any of these jobs that she had just, you know, fled from. However, when another typhoid outbreak was reported in early 1907 from this new job that she'd just gotten, Soper was over there tracking down Malin like a bloodhound. He caught up with her before she could disappear from this job again uh, and attempted to talk to her about the situation, trying to diplomatically suggest that just maybe... She was behind all these typhoid outbreaks as the single common factor, and maybe if she was so willing, she could provide him with a um, uh, biological sample so there could be testing done for typhoid. Well, Malin didn't like that one little bit. She wasn't about to pinch off a turd into a bucket for some Johnny-come-lately striding into her kitchen. Apparently, she threatened Soper with a carving fork. It is Always dangerous to confront a cook in their own kitchen. And so Soper had to back off. But he didn't give up. He compiled all this evidence that he'd gathered and presented it to the New York City Health Department, who had to conclude, as unbelievable as it sounded at the time, that Mallon was indeed a healthy carrier of typhoid fever. The department moved to arrest her as a public health threat and she was forcibly quarantined, but apparently she fought so hard against the cops that came to arrest her that it took five of them to restrain her and the attending doctor, Dr Josephine Baker, had to sit on her in the ambulance to keep her under control. Mallon was quarantined against her will in a hospital on North Brother Island near the famous prison island, Rikers Island, and when nature came calling, the doctors collected the results of the calls and tested them for typhoid. And holy moly, these things were more typhoid than turd, let me tell you. 
Mallon was full of typhoid. Unbelievable. Her forced quarantine continued. Poor Mallon. I mean, bloody hell, whenever she went to the toilet to bust a grumpy, it was taken away for testing. And on top of this, Soper had published Mallon's story and the papers had picked it up and given her the nickname Typhoid Mary, which she absolutely hated. She hated the whole thing. You got to feel for at least a little bit. I mean, it wasn't commonly accepted medical science that you could possibly infect people with a disease that you weren't showing symptoms for. So it must have been enormously distressing for her to go from place to place, having people infected, having to flee and try again somewhere new, hoping it wouldn't happen again this time. But having said all that, she wasn't particularly cooperative with the authorities and she continued to insist that she didn't have typhoid and wasn't the reason behind the outbreaks. She was kept in forcible quarantine for almost three years and given experimental treatments that didn't seem to do anything to improve her situation. And while she did pose a threat to public health, keeping her in this forced quarantine was a pretty extreme measure and many people opposed it as as a cruel and inhumane punishment to someone who hadn't willingly done anything wrong, really. So ultimately... She was released in 1910 after swearing that she would never return to cooking and would find other work. Mallon was allowed to rejoin society. So she found what work she could, uh, mainly doing laundry, which paid a lot less than cooking. But it was no good. She didn't keep at it. After five years of scraping by with laundry work, Mallon returned to the better paid job of cooking, working in hotels and restaurants and other busy kitchens where she might be able to fall between the cracks. And what's worse, she never stayed very long and always gave a fake name to her employers. And as she went from job to job, place to place, the typhoid infections began again. People were hospitalised and many died. We don't know for sure how many people died of typhoid because of Mallon. Estimates range between 50 to 120 people, which is quite a lot, especially for a disease that isn't particularly common at this time in New York. And as the typhoid cases and deaths began to stack up, something had to be done. Who are you going to call? George Soper. Soper was brought in once again, and just like he had beforehand, he tracked Mallon down. He followed her trail from job to job until he found out that she was working, get this, in a hospital which is the last bloody place you want someone who is an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid to be working. Anyway, Soper tracked her down, attempted to confront Mallon, uh, but she fled. And once again, the cops were brought in to arrest her. They found her hiding at a friend's house. Uh, They arrested her and they returned her to quarantine on North Brother Island. And this time she wasn't allowed to leave. Rather than be kept in the hospital, she was given a little cottage where she could live by herself and she stayed there for the next two decades. She was allowed occasional day trips into New York City and she did find work while quarantined on the island. She worked as a laboratory assistant, but for the most part, she remained a prisoner on North Brother Island due to the risk that she posed to public health. And Mallon didn't accept her fate quietly. She remained quite uncooperative with the health authorities And I don't know if I blame her. Honestly, I don't know what to think of it. On the one hand, she was a danger to public health, especially with her going back to cooking, her reluctance to realise that she was indeed responsible for infecting people. But on the other hand, her condition wasn't her fault. She was born like that. She didn't choose to be infectious in the first place. She just wanted to live a normal life. Even today, the ethics of Mallon's decades-long forced quarantine are debated. It's not a clear-cut situation. In any case, poor old Mallon had a stroke 
1932 in her 60s, and so she was moved to the hospital where she remained for the rest of her life till she died in 1938 after contracting pneumonia. A very sad life, but a life that did teach us a lot. Not only did it help to promote the idea of personal social responsibility with infectious diseases, something that many people struggle with to this very day, Mallon also gave rise to the scientific certainty of asymptomatic carriers, the fact that people could carry and transmit diseases that they don't show symptoms for. And today, the nickname that she hated so much, Typhoid Mary, is still used as a term for anyone who, whether they know it or not, is spreading infectious disease. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.